0: Hello, Vol Nation. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Tennessee Football. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Ferguson, on Free Bacon. We got a great one for you. As you can notice, I'm wearing the exact same thing. I'm honestly on vacation as we speak. Uh, recorded this beforehand, putting it out now. But we're talking the butcher. Oh, man, does it get juicy. I tell you guys everything behind the scenes, why it ended up falling apart, and all of those stories you heard rumors about. So very exciting podcast. Before we get into that, please, you guys, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the notification bell to see all the new episodes we have coming up every Wednesday. Hit that like button and comment. It helps the algorithm so much. If you're listening, please subscribe, uh, rate and review. That always helps. Give us five stars. And um, just really appreciate you guys. Please share this also with your friends and your family and let them know that this is a great podcast to listen to. So, uh, let's jump into it. Snap The kick
1: is in the air, and the kick this time is no, sir, Reed. No, sir, Reed. Final score, Tennessee 20,
0: Florida 17. Pandemonium reigns. Loads up, fires long for the end zone. The pass is going to be caught oh, by Tennessee. Tennessee will! It's by Tennessee to one Jennings.
1: Jennings makes the catch in the end zone on the Hail Mary. All down to the 35 to the 40, to the 45 to the 50, to the 45 to the 40, to the 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. What did he do? All he did was score. Joey Pence, touchdown on play number one.
0: All right, so before we jump into the podcast, shout out our number one sponsor, betonline.ag. If you're wanting to go anywhere to bet, this is the place. It's the number one source for all the best odds, the stats, everything that comes with it. They've got stuff on the NBA playoffs going on. They've got stuff on MLB. They have golf. They have fighting. They have even casino. So, everything you can think of. This is the place to go. It's the best place to bet and it makes everything more exciting when you do it. So hop on over there. When you do go over there, it's super easy to get started. Um, You can use your mobile device or you can go on their website and use a promo code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. When you sign up and you receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So Awesome, free money. So, why not use believe as your little code when you go there? Um, tell, them, tell them that we sent you. Uh, so, head on over again. That's B L E A V promo code to get that 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. All right. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, as you can tell, I am wearing the exact same outfit. Um, and Reed is also wearing the exact same outfit. Uh, it feels a little bit strange to say this, but uh, I feel like I have to. How are we doing, bud?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. Everything's <laughs> great. I had to change my angle. Now I kind of look like I'm sitting in the same spot down here in this house in Naples, but I had to change the angle just so I could plug my phone up so it doesn't die.
0: Yes. You still got the nice big clock behind you. Yeah. That's uh, what matters.
1: Yeah. One day it's going to fall <laughs> and just knock me out
0: um so this podcast is all the butch era this, this is... is
1: let me say this let me say this, this is the perfect um uh, this is the perfect summer podcast because there's just a lot of there's some dead period there's there's not a ton of tough talk talk about but this is a great pod for people who love to hear the stories love to hear the stuff that we don't get to see, get to do all that. So that's what we're really going to dive into. As you said, we did this a little bit with the Dually era. Now we're going to do our Butch era, which, because I think, it, I think Butch is so fascinating. I really do. Or like that, not necessarily him in general, but just his time at UT.
0: Definitely. Uh, and for anybody who's watching or listening, please comment on a question you might have and what you want to hear about. Cause I'll tell you, uh some things i'll forget which is you know one of the reasons why i have read here to help me remember um any kind of good stories but y'all definitely leave comments and ask questions i will answer them but to start um the introduction
1: let me let me let me let me, let me, let me ask you this kyler to start go ahead you can introduce or whatever you want to do i want to to hear your first impression of Butch. When you are wherever you are, and you guys find out that Butch Jones from the University of Cincinnati, who came to came to Nealand, did I say it right that time?
0: <laughs> Nealand.
1: I forgot. I haven't said it in a while. Is that right? Neeland? Yeah, you
0: said it right. Nealand, yeah. Neyland
1: comes to Nealand and just gets absolutely bent over by Derek Dooley, who we all know was a horrendous coach. So now, granted, I don't know if you guys as players realized that right away, but, like, where, where, where were you when you found out, you saw the text, you found out that's who your coach was?
0: Uh, honestly, like, did not know a thing about him. Didn't even really realize, like, the Cincinnati, like, he was the head coach and we beat them. Da, 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 like, that wasn't even on my radar because also that year, that was the only loss Cincinnati had was to us. They ended up winning every game that year. So, like he had a very impressive resume, like once you looked it up. And dude, let me tell you something. The end of the dually era was so depressing. Like it was, it was awful. It really was. Like going into that December, into that winter, not having a bowl game. And like he was fired before the last game, uh, where he played Kentucky. It was just like, oh my gosh, like this is like. What's going to happen to us? No no one really knew. So I think just like anybody showing up gives you a little bit of hope. Um, and my first impression of him, he – and when he walked into the team meeting room when we were sitting there, he acts as if he's big, but he's not. I mean, the guy's probably like 5'9", if yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but he still walks <laughs> yeah, he's, around – he, yeah. he walks around he's pretty- with the with the shoulders up and the lats flexed, and he just kind of like brings in this, you know, personification. That he's big, and you know, he had a button up and slacks on. And I was just like, when I first saw him, because he stands like that, I was like, okay, like I feel almost better because this guy looks like he works out. <laughs> like I remember thinking that when he walked in, because Dooley was kind of like a string bean lawyer that, like, you know, didn't really – and I thought he kind of was like that. um, And, you know, he was like, we're going to run a spread. This is going to be a completely different offense. uh, You know, uh, we're not going to be huddling, so our offensive linemen need to be around 300 pounds. And I was sitting in that meeting room at 330, you know, pushing maybe 335 and was like hold – on, hold on, oh.
1: Let, let, me interject. Yeah. <laughs> let me interject so far. So, so far you see this guy walk in and, and you're right. He is short and he's small. Like he's narrow. Like he's a thin little guy. Like he's not very big. He definitely tried to act or like, tried to like, maybe that's just his natural walk, but he's, he's a little guy. And, uh, but I loved it that you were like, well, maybe he works out. So maybe that's okay. Maybe he's like, kind of tough or from football background or whatever. Like, this is – this is 19, 18, 19, 20-year-old Kyler. And you're like – and then he just starts talking. Was he not like – was he like, hey, guys, how's it going? Like, I'm Coach – I'm Butch Jones. Like, I'm honored to be here. I'm your new head coach.
0: And yeah, then he just yeah. This, Introduced okay. himself and all that. But that shit doesn't matter. I don't care how many kids you have. How are we going to yeah. win games?
1: Yeah. So, anyway, so then he goes in. He's like, this is what we're going to do. And, and did he start by saying we're going to run a spread? Or was he like – we're going to be tough. We're going to play hard. Like, do, you do that coach speak? Or, like – He definitely
0: did the coach whatever. speak. Because I know – He
1: definitely I did the coach what, speak. I, that, I that, know that's, what he, that's who he is. I know. I know. But I know once he mentioned that you need to get the 300, you probably didn't hear anything else the rest of the meeting.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yes, you're, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, he did the coach speak, but coach speak – is coach speak until something else happens. Like it's just like okay, whatever, 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 whatever. Like you hear the stuff until there's actual solidified like action put to it. You don't really care. Um, and everyone was concerned about what kind of offense and what kind of defense is going to be run because it's like, am I going to get to play? Right. Uh, you know, defense was really concerned about what de- we just. They just got done with Sal and Siri and. Running a hybrid bear defense, 4 3. And they're just like, that was shitty. We were the worst defense in the league. And he's worst like, defense in, a- like football history." <laughs> yeah. He's like, we're going to run a 4 3. This is what we're going to run. And everybody's like, Yes. Thank God. Thank God we go back to it. Da, 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 da. And, you know, he's like, We're going to run a spread. We're going to be up tempo. We're going to be fast. And that was all new to us. Right, right. But it was exciting because I'd run up tempo in high school, and I was like, "Okay, I know what I'm doing with that." I, I I was like, "I love tackle when I didn't have to put my hand in the dirt." So yeah, this is gonna be great. Um, so I think everyone was excited after that meeting. Like, okay, new beginnings. We're into this now, and that ended up being the same time I hurt my back in college. I heard it in December, before he got introduced. Uh, you know, sometime January, I guess. And, uh, then it like really flared up. I missed a lot of workouts. I missed, uh, you know, like two months, two and a half months before spring ball. And then once spring ball started, I wore a nice back brace and, you know, was able to do all those practices, but still during that entire time, it was, I need to lose two pounds every week and keep it off. So we would weigh Mondays and Fridays. And it was like, okay, your goal, like it would give you a goal on Monday, be like, you need to weigh 328, because you weighed in at 330 by Friday. So Friday comes, you're 328. And then the next Monday, they're like, you have to be 328 when you come in on Monday. And it was just every week, two pounds and very unhealthy ways to try and lose weight. Like, I wouldn't eat dinner Thursday nights so that I would make weight on Friday mornings and like literally go to the bathroom multiple times, like pee, poop, like try and force out poops so that I would weigh less get in the hot tub and sweat. So I would weigh less and, uh, not healthy, but it's like, do whatever you got to do to get where you want to go. Like right. that's just, that's just what it has to be. Um, And it was – I mean, it was definitely something that we needed because, like I said in the Dooley podcast, there was not – there was no discipline under Dooley. Nobody was held accountable for anything. And with Butch coming in and being a new coach, it was like he had – he didn't know who anybody was. So it was like you have to prove yourself all over again. Like this guy doesn't know who you are, doesn't know what star recruit you were or anything like that. He'll cut you like he'll kick you off the team if you do something out of line because he's not connected to you. He doesn't like he didn't bring you in. So it was very much like, okay, now you got to be, you know, on your P's and Q's and doing every single thing that you could. And I'm telling you, it was stressful, like but it was what was needed, like the, the, the lessons that were taught to me that were ingrained in me of like, 63 effort, even though it was corny as hell. It was just like finish a play, like keep going through the whistle. That's all it meant. And you know, first up, which was he literally learned it was hilarious. He pulled up film from Tennessee versus Cincinnati and just showed Justin Hunter and Derrick Rogers catching a pass, getting tackled, and standing up before anybody else. They're the ones that got tackled, they stood up before anybody else and just looked around at the Cincinnati defenders and he said that was the most demoralizing thing ever for all of them, because it was no matter what they stood back up every single time. And like the touchdown to had in the end zone where he got just sandwiched between two defenders and he's the one smiling. It's like, it, it messes with an opponent's psyche. So like teaching that to us first up, go pick up the running back, go pick up a wide receiver, like go help your brothers up. You know, have excitement while you play. You know, I remember a game where he was like, it's it's on CBS, it's CBS, it's chest bump Saturday. I want to see chest bumps out there all day. And it was like every time we scored a touchdown, chest bumping each other, chest bumping each other, chest bumping each other. And it's just little stuff like that. That like actually for a 19-year-old or 20-year-old, it's teaching you a lesson, maybe with a dumb saying, but you're still getting the lesson and that part of it is the reason why when people are like Butch was the worst thing to happen at Tennessee i can't believe he you know was our coach and like he was so bad that's the reason why i'm like well i can't say he was all bad like he
1: let me let me yeah let me let me interject so go ahead. i don't think butch is the worst thing to happen to ut i i, I mean I, there's like i don't i don't like him but i'm not going to not be honest and say, like, he did some really good stuff for Tennessee. Um, I, I think Derek Dooley is 100% the worst thing that happened at Tennessee, in, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Or just, or the people that made those hires uh, were, were kind of the, the the reasons. I mean, it's not Dooley's fault that he went in there and cook, cooked an interview and got the job because of his dad or whoever or because he gave a good interview. Um, that's not yeah. his fault. But – and I want to ask you one more thing. Did Butch – I'm just so fascinated by this. When he came in, did he talk pretty normal? And it was kind of like this, like, hey, guys, I'm I'm Butch Jones. I'm your new head coach. You know, da-da-da. He's like, this is what we're going to do. And he's kind of that. Or well, was he getting like – did he get ever fired up or try to do the rah-rah? Or was he just pretty, like, standard?
0: Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say he's standard by any means. Um, right. But he knows he couldn't get a rah-rah to start with. Like, that's okay. very okay. difficult to do, coming okay. into a room. Um, okay. But he still talked the same way we- – we're going to be a tough team and we're going to get after people when we're on the field. Okay. We're on the spread offense. We're going to go fast. Like he, he talked like that in general with that, like rasps to his voice. Um, But I think it was a gradual incline right, of him showing exactly who he was and that, can be said throughout his whole tenure as a gradual incline into showing his anger, showing his frustration, uh, showing his uh, inability to control emotions that gradually got worse and worse and worse and ended up leading to his downfall.
1: All right. Couple couple of quick questions. Was there anybody right off the rip that didn't buy into him? That, or like not not right off the rip, but maybe like the first couple weeks, first month, maybe even into you know first six months that
0: you remember? Ooh. Um honestly at that point, no, I don't think there really was someone who didn't buy in because everyone was so excited for a new opportunity. The guys who didn't start years before were like, Hey, this is my chance to start. The guys who did start were like, Hey, this is my chance to become a leader on the team and take over. And it was just all like, everyone was more hopeful than Mm -hmm. anything. Um, And literally that, that year leading into that year, It was like still up in the air, like Jawan was up in the air about going to the NFL because he had played three years. Like he was still he was on people's boards, wasn't a first rounder, but on people's boards. And uh, like it was like a conversation. And if he left, I was going to start like it was definitely like I was going to be a starter. He ended up staying. And, you know, had to take that role as the second string guy. But I felt very good going into that because I was the only one who had any kind of playing experience, like whether it was just field goal or like jumbo package. And I was the backup right guard and backup right tackle. So, if either one of them went out, I went in. So, I was very excited about that season. Uh, Let
1: me ask you you this. So, everyone kind of bought in maybe because – 'cause Julie was so bad. Yeah. Did so everyone bought in and you know, I don't know if I've even ever asked you this to this day. Like, I guess I guess we have. And I think you're you always said, you know, it X's and O's don't really matter a ton as a as a head coach. I yeah. mean you obviously you're implementing your plan, but you're not the ones maybe calling plays. And and you're always saying that the 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 head coach is more of the CEO type but mm-hmm. just i just want to know like x's and o's and football mind did you think butch was was good coach or not or average or what what do you think
0: i i'm i'm saying this honestly like i never got an opportunity to know that okay like there was never a situation where butch was talking to me about x's and o's that that never happened even if he was sitting in on offensive meetings. He's not the one talking. He, he the the OC is. He, he the never only, he
1: never interjected one time about something.
0: He might have interjected and been like, "Yeah, guys, you got to take advantage of this," or or "Yeah, I think this will work really well for us," or you know, "Yes, this defender is really good for them," or something like that. But, but, but
1: nothing. It, but nothing. He's not jumping up on the board like. Okay, if you see like taking over and kind of
0: explain, okay, all right. No, no, that was never it. it like, when he was on, when he was up in the team meeting, when he was in front of us, it was all motivation. Uh, it was all, you know, trying to inspire, trying to motivate, uh, trying to hold people accountable. Uh, all that extracurriculars, like it literally had nothing to do with X's and O's. The only like thing that he did X's and O's was the punt team. Like he oversaw the punt team. That was his thing. I don't know why, but that was his baby. Um,
1: oh geez.
0: And he acted well, like he it was most you, important special teams.
1: Did he ever come up to you in practice and like not even never give you pointers or anything?
0: No, he yeah. would never do that in practice. What he would do in practice would be like yeah, yelling. Yeah, uh, yeah. Curvis saying you're holding. That's a ten yard penalty. Bring them back. Right. Bring them back. And try and like get in your head that way, right? Or be like, I don't see effort out there by you, and like call somebody out over the loudspeaker. It was never, literally, never had to do with X's and O's. Never. It was never like, hey, you get your hands right, get your footwork. Like it was all like, are you lazy? Why are you being lazy? There's no, there's no walking on the field, like. That's, that's what he was.
1: What about, what about, what, do, what did you think about the, uh, his coaching staff that he had there? And not, not, I'm not asking you to name everyone individually. Like where did you just always feel good about who he had on his staff?
0: I did feel good. I think, I think part of his downfall is not trusting the guys that he brought in. I think that was part of his downfall was, By the time he left, I'm pretty sure he had maybe one coach that was the same. Uh, It was new, you know, on his second offensive coordinator, new O-line coach, new D-line coach, new wide receiver coach, new quarterback coach, uh, new tight end coach, um, same linebacker coach. And I maybe – I think he did fire Martinez, too. So, like, it was like linebacker coach, that was it. Tommy Thigpen was, like, the only guy he left on. I think that was part of his downfall. It was just he got so nervous. You know, 2014 when, you know, there's games where we can't score a point. Like, we have one touchdown in the game versus Oklahoma. And it's like, why can't we figure this defense out? Like, why can't we do this? Um, but there was still, like, explosive games, too, like playing Iowa and just beating the ever-living crap out of them and, and you know, winning versus a South Carolina in, you know, overtime and scoring 40-plus points. It was like our offense is still pretty explosive. Um, but I guess he saw it as – it's the players out there, it's not the O.C., so he brings in a new guy and um, uh, gets rid of uh, that O.C. and brings in board heading into 2015. And then, you know, after 2016 and the fall apart, he just put it on every coach and was like, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone, we're bringing a new, 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 new. Uh, you and think,
1: I, uh, let, me, let me ask you this. And and you probably don't know, uh, and it's and that's okay. And maybe not. Maybe there's not many people in this world that do know. But like, do you think that he was doing that to maybe try to save his own butt, or because he really, like, he really didn't trust them or believe them anymore, or because he felt like he was listening to outside noises and felt like he had to preserve himself because he knew. The, the clock was ticking basically almost.
0: I think at the end it was clock is ticking. I think his first firings were where like we're in the SEC now. you guys aren't good enough. I gotta find somebody else. But it's like yeah, well, I, 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 get, I get I get what you're trying to get at by saying like this is SEC, this isn't you know, Cincinnati football. But it's, like, the grass isn't always greener, you know? Like, it's not easy just to find an amazing OC or amazing DC. Like, that's that's not just a simple task. And in some aspects, I think he should have been more patient, which he never was good with, Uh, (laughs) being patient. But I, I honestly think the downfall of him in 2016 and 17 was losing the team and like losing true leaders on the team
1: all right hold on before we get there i don't cuz i don't want to i don't want to get to we'll the finish downfall with that. <laughs> yeah well, yeah i don't want to get to the downfall the reason i gave you a thumbs up when you were first talking about that because i remember Uh, when he let go John Jancic and everybody, I know people were upset about some of the defense and I know most people were always went back to the Florida fourth and 14 or whatever. I, you know, I always thought John was, was a good defensive coordinator. Um, Now, granted, we know it, like I knew his family. I, 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 he was one of the nicest guys ever. Like I love his kids. I love him. He was super nice. So obviously there's some bias, but like the stats, backed it up like when he left like the the defense got a little worse um Mm -hmm. i know for a fact one or two years i i I would listen i need to go back and make sure that's all the years but i do remember looking it up and john had a better defense than maybe a year or two after he left and i it just it felt like like what you were saying like i remember everyone's like bob shoot bob shoot like it was almost like it was like butch would get it was almost like butch was on Twitter watching ball Twitter and hearing the fans like yeah, it was like, and so Butch is like, oh, they want Bob Shoot, okay, I'll go get Bob Shoot, and then it's mm-hmm. like, you know, Bob Shoot shows up, and everyone's like, shoot, there it is. It's just it's like guys, like it, it's just, it's just, you know what I mean? It was just like, yeah. and and I feel like as a head coach, you have to believe in who you are. You know, it's that like you're going to – you better stand for something or you'll stand – you know, or you'll, you'll give in to anything or whatever the saying is. But it's, it's true. It's like you really need to know who you are and, and be firm in that. And like maybe if he'd stuck with his Cincinnati guys before unless they got jobs to go be promoted or whatever. But it's like I just – me personally, and, and we'll get to the downfall here in a little bit, but like that's what I think ended up getting them is because, I mean, honestly – I I didn't think Butch was that great of a coach game day wise. Like, and you and I would argue this. And obviously, because I was like, he's not good game day. And you're like, well, Reed, like what head coaches are? And I'm like, you know, like I think Nick Saban, and we've argued this before. Like, you're like, well, Nick Saban's just a really good CEO. um, And I I disagree because, and maybe you don't think that anymore, but I'm like, if Saban wants to run the ball, they're going to run the ball. If he wants to work this certain game plan, they're going to do it. If he wants to run this certain de- defense, he's going to do it because he knows it's his final say. Like you can let your coaches coach, but he's still going to say something. If he, like if you and I are coaching and you're and I'm your head coach and you're my defensive coordinator, I'm gonna let you coach until I see something different. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. yeah. But like, I just. I, yeah, I, I don't know. So, anyways, I, I agree with you. I just wanted to interject about at least – I don't know how about the offensive line or receivers or all this stuff. I just remember I thought when he let John Jameson go, I thought it was I – I, I don't necessarily think it was a smart thing, and I think it wasn't necessarily because he thought John wasn't good. Maybe he just got nervous, but he was like he heard the outside. And I think ended up he heard the outside way too much. A lot. Um, but
0: and, the outside, and the outside could be players on the team also, uh, who really don't have the authority or the knowledge as 20-year-olds to tell a head coach who should not be working there anymore um, because he fired the strength coach and he fired the nutritionist. And it's like he brought the strength coach with him, Coach Lawson, and the nutritionist was there before he was, and she's one of the best in the country. And he got rid of them both based off of players yeah, planning or not agreeing with them. And, and if, I'm
1: not, if I'm not mistaken, just so we can go ahead and put it out there, if you don't mind, it was important guys. I mean, it was Cameron Sutton. Yeah. It, it was Alvin Kamara, and it was uh, Jalen Reese-Maden. Like, that that three core, I mean, that's some of your better guys. And I guess my only question would be, did he bring them in? It was like, guys, I want to know your opinions. Or are they just going and, like, v- like volunteering this information because they know that they can get in his
0: ear. I think they were volunteering the information. Yeah. And it, like, I love those guys. I, I love playing with them. I literally lockered right next to Jalen Roos Maven. But this stuff happened after I left, you know, this didn't happen to 2015. Although a lot of those coaches were still there. This happened after I left. And that's where I talk about, like, I don't know where the leadership went. Like I, I really don't know if the guys there still were like true leaders. Um, besides Dobbs, like that's the only one I would, I would say. Well, is. maybe
1: and, and and maybe they were leading in ways that they thought that was being a leader. And listen, I and I want to make sure this gets clear. I, you're not attacking those three guys because you've never spoken a bad word about any of those three guys to me. You, you root for all three of them big time in, in the league. Like you love all those guys. You, you know, like, so I'm not saying that you're bad talking those guys. You had just mentioned to me before, like you felt like those three guys got in his ear, whether yeah. it was right, wrong or indifferent.
0: Yeah. Because like after, after that year, like I, the spring headed into 2016, I was still around the facility. I was working out there and talking to the strength coach and talking to nutritionist all the time and talking to coaches all the time. And then I would go to games. I would go to practices. I would, you know, do all that. So I was, I was around, I wasn't in with the team. So I didn't know everything, but from what I heard from different places and talking to the nutritionist talking to the strength coach and, hearing what other guys, maybe some offensive linemen had said, it was like, you know, Sutton, Alvin, and Jalen Reeves-Maven are running this team now. Like, it's not Butch's team. It's their team. Like, they were, you know, the ones behind a lot of the stuff. And that just gave me, like, a weird feeling, even though, like, I really liked those guys. It was just kind of like, I don't know if that's what should happen. But, I mean – like I said, I still love those guys. I saw uh, Sutton and Reese Maven at the golf tournament with Dobbs, um, and tried to get them to come on the podcast. They weren't having it quite, <laughs> quite like that. But uh, I mean, <clears throat> I, 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 that's just what I heard. I don't want to say it's fact, but it makes sense to me based off of what I saw out of Butch before, and just like really giving in to peer pressure, whether it be fans, uh, media, uh, you know, AD, like, I think he just kind of like gave in to that kind of stuff.
1: You know, and that's and, – and you know what? If he believed in those three guys and, – and listen, they're fabulous players. I mean, I, I'll never knock how hard they all played and, and how good they were for Tennessee. Um, and you know what? If he wanted to put his ex in those baskets – Okay, but like you have to, you know, you gotta live with it. And so um, I'm not saying that's why they failed at all. I'm I i do not know. Like I, I'm just saying like I know for one thing that's a fact that Butch Jones failed. Like he 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 failed in the fact that the way it ended and it any 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 in the and any got fired. Like that that's why I say it was maybe a failure. Um, which is not – it's not anything that's a big deal. Like, it's pretty rare that a coach gets to stay somewhere for a long time. You either do so well that you go up somewhere mm-hmm. or or you get to stay there long enough until you retire. But l- let me – did you ever – did you ever in your time while he was there be like – or you're like, he ain't it, or like, this isn't it, or like there's some stuff that like made you nervous or worried as a player?
0: Yes. Um, Before the 2015 season. So before my last year. During camp. I've like it was one of like the biggest roller coasters of a camp I'd ever been a part of lead into a season. And for a while, like I really didn't know what was going to happen that year. And it was very frustrating because it was my last year, and I wanted us to be successful, and I knew that we could because I knew we had very good players on the team. But during that time period was the infamous uh, hit of Mac Crowder, um, which I will tell the exact story. We are practicing in Neyland. Uh Mac is second string at this point after being – First string last year going to SEC Media days, like the man. He's now second string. I don't really know if that was all his play. I think it was a lot of favoring uh, Coleman Thomas because he was Butch's recruit. And that's just not the way you should run something is playing favorites. You should put the best player out there. Uh, and I remember I came off the field with the ones. I was standing next to the huddle. And uh, Butch is in there in the middle of the huddle in an attempt to fire up the offense as they go out there and say that we need to practice better. da 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 And he's just screaming his head off, just red in the face. What like you gotta step up? da 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 Like just screaming at people, which is never really gonna work. In his, like, screaming fit of, like, trying to do that, he punches Mac in the chest. Well, Mac has pads on, obviously, so it doesn't hurt Mac in, in any way. But he punches Mac in the chest, like, you need to step up your leader of this offense, like, as, as as a center. And Mac is already aggravated because he's second string. He's He's been demoted, and he thinks it's – just because of a name, not because of his play. And he immediately goes, don't you fucking touch me. Immediately. And uh, Mac, you know, hindsight, but didn't cuss. Like that was one of his things. He didn't cuss. He grew up in a Christian home and that was just not what he was supposed to do. So he, he did not Uh, And I knew that I live with Mac like I I know Mac very well. And I was like, yeah, he doesn't cuss. And for him to say that uh, to the head coach, everybody else around was like. uh, It was the first time, you know, someone had kind of bowed up to Coach Jones. And I think it was like really the first time people on the team saw him not be able to control himself, like really lose his emotions. uh, Which is just, I mean, absolutely horrible when you're trying to lead people, like you can't control your own emotions in any way you get aggravated and you just explode. It's like, no one really wants to follow you. So there was like a good three, four day period after that, where people were like, I don't know about this. Like he was very much on the edge of just losing the team in, in a sense. Um, so
1: question, question, question. Yeah. So you think it is, and I know I, I got another buddy who played college football pretty high level, had a little stint in the NFL, but he says like no player, he said no coach should ever touch a player. Do you still feel that same thing? Like, a coach should never touch you like that, even if it is like trying to get you jacked up or whatever. Like, what what about, what what about just, and just asking, like, what about if it was all good, rah, rah, let's go? And like, Butch comes up to you and you guys are about to run out of the tunnel. He's like, this is your game, 77. Like, let's go, like, hit him in the mouth and he punches you twice to get you going. You see what I'm saying? I agree with that. So you, so, so you think that it's all context based or like, they should never put their hands on you in a negative light or what?
0: I think it's all context. I think it's, okay. if you're, if you are under control of your emotions and you're doing it in a, like a good reason behind it, more power to you do it. I've head guys in the helmet with no helmet on before just to get them motivated. Um, but like to do it, to a player because you're angry that practice isn't going the way it should is not good. Like he's upset that it's not a good practice and he is taking it out by yelling at these people in the huddle and you can see it on his face. You can see when someone's actually angry or when they're just like trying to yell and motivate, like you can see the grit of the teeth, and the face get red, and you can see the anger, and then he punches a person in the chest, it's like, yo, bro, like, that's, that's not, that's not it, that is not what you should do, like, everyone there, and that's the hardest part, too, because everyone on a football team is an alpha, they think of themselves as an alpha, they think they're, A strong man, they don't think of themselves as a boy, and it's like you don't get to touch me as a man and not get repercussions. So that's how it is. On a you think it would have
1: do you think it would have been different too if he like done the slaps on the shoulder pads compared to a punch?
0: No, not in that moment because I think it was I think it was the emotions behind it. I don't think it was the actual physical contact.
1: Okay, Okay. so I think it was the emotions. So,
0: when Max says that, what does Butch say? Uh, He was, like, taken back uh, that Max said that to him. And so was everybody else around. And you could see, like, it just well – like, that anger well up inside of him. But he knew he can't take it further at that point. And it it was like a – Anger welling, nothing said, face getting redder, but then it was just like, get out there on the field.
1: Okay, okay.
0: And that was it. But it so was
1: for you, your opinion, so that was – he was there in 13, 14, this is going into 15. And that right there you say for a couple of days players are talking like, bro shit, like little man over there, you know, little man syndrome, whatever, all this yelling bullshit. like, Yeah. It, it like, might not
0: be it. Like, yeah, like he can't – he can't just hit Mac like that. You know what I mean? Like, that was was talked about. So, like, when people look back on this event and they're like, yeah, when Butch Jones punched Matt Crowder in the face, it's like, well, he didn't punch him in the face. He hit him in the chest. So, it's not that big of a deal. But at that time on the team, it was very much like he – I mean, at that moment, he shouldn't have done that. And, like, as a player, you were thinking, like, is he going to hit me when he gets angry kind of thing? Um, so, I mean, it was like touch and go and then probably a week later, uh, you know, with this stuff and kind of involved in it, uh, Mac, you know, came to coach Mahoney and was like, I don't know if I want to play. Like, I think I might quit or transfer, um, um, and 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 this was all in like one week. It was like Mac said it, then uh, Coleman Thomas said it, then uh, Dylan Wiseman said it, then Brett Kendrick said it. That
1: and they were all thinking about quitting.
0: They were all thinking about quitting. They were all thinking about transferring. And it didn't. It wasn't all because of the hit to Mac. Like I think Mac's reason was because of the hit. I think Coleman's reason was he didn't really feel like they trusted him at center uh, and then like they were like putting him at tackle also. And he wanted to play center. Uh, Dylan and Brett were both like, they didn't know if they were going to get to play. Uh, They didn't know like that, like Brett was, um, Brett was nervous. They were trying to get Drew Richmond to play ahead of him. And I think Dylan was um, worried about playing time, too, thinking that, you know, Jay Sean and Marcus Jackson would be playing at guard and Dylan wouldn't. So those,
1: uh, so the ones that you just mentioned, all those guys that you just mentioned, all of them were, like, not starting, maybe fringe starting. Like, maybe Coleman was really the only starter. Brett was going to be a backup probably. Dylan they might probably. have been
0: They might have been on the edge of fringe starting. I think um, – You know, Brett probably was the most solidified of, like, you're going to start at at right tackle. Um, But Coleman was also getting reps at right tackle and center. So, it was like Coleman could play either.
1: Is this this the year after they put him out there as a true freshman and just got him at left tackle? Yeah, that was – I can't believe – yeah.
0: Yeah. So, this is the year after that. So, it was like Brett didn't know if he was going to play because they might put Coleman out there. Coleman didn't know what position he was going to play. He wanted to play center, and he didn't know if he was going to play because he was also competing against Mack at center. Mack thought he wasn't going to play because he's competing against Coleman at center. Dylan thought he wasn't going to play because he's competing against Jay Sean Robertson and Marcus Jackson at both guards. And everyone was like, woe is me. I don't like this. I'm not going to get to play. Right. And I was the oldest guy there uh the leader of the offensive line room and had to talk all of them back down to come back to the team and like, don't do anything harsh or stupid two weeks before the season starts. Like this was really close to the first game. So Marcus Jackson ends up tearing his peck before the season. So Dylan Wiseman is playing the entire season at guard. Right. Um. Brett is pretty much playing the entire season at tackle because they put Mac at second string at center and Coleman started. Every single one of those guys ended up starting at least one game for us in 2015. So it was very much like, that's what I kept telling them. Like guys, the fact that you think you're not going to play is ridiculous. You're going to get to play. Everyone got like, do you know how many people had to sub in last year? Like. Charles Mosley had to play in a game in 2014. Like, y'all are going to get to play. Well,
1: let me say this, though. So, because so, I don't want to get us too deep in the weeds on this stuff, I want to keep on focus yeah. on this stuff. But I, I, think, I think everyone that's played college football at one point thought about quitting and then maybe did quit or transfer. Because, like you said, woe is me, all this. Like, we're all 17, 18, 19 year old kids. We're all can be babies about something sometimes. But, anyways, I think it, speaks to the greater like that he didn't have control of his team that he's thinking about having his entire or half of his offensive line leave two weeks before it's things are uneasy because he put his hands on a player so let's fast forward a little bit so did that stay around or going into the 2015 season where you guys went nine and four like how did the season go like how like, was, were people still, like, kind of out on Butch, or were they just kind of like, he is what it is? Like, I mean. Well, I
0: I think it started kind of just figuring itself out, because once you got into the season, it was very much like, who's my opponent? Who's my opponent? Who's my opponent? And you're not really concentrating on Butch and him, you know, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, I remember, I remember plays in games and watching film and re-watching plays and, Studying, uh, you know, new plays integrating into the system way more, way more than I remember any team meeting that we had or any kind of talk that we had or or, or anything like that. So it was very much like now there's a common enemy. Let's right. just concentrate on that, and I think it kind of took away from from all that. Um, and that's another thing that like people don't realize and on teams is there's definitely this like division between offense and defense while you're practicing because you play against each other. And then finally like coming together as a team and playing as a common enemy, uh, it's like a weird switch once you get into the season. But I think that was what happened when in regards to that is like, he wasn't, it was, he wasn't the main focus anymore.
1: Yeah. Okay, a couple, a couple other real quick things. Um, first off, what did the team feel like, and I know this is a tough question for you because you live with Justin Worley, but like were the, were the people not like, what was the deal with Worley and running that offense? Like why would Worley not keep a couple? I remember being as a fan and I was in college at that time. I'm like, if Bo freaking Wallace can keep a couple read options at Old Miss to keep the defense off, and why is Justin Worley not doing it? Or why is the coach not calling it like, what was that whole dynamic as a player, like running a spread offense? And it's not Worley's fault. Like Worley played hard, he played mm. tough. Like as a, as Worley, like he might have to sit back and think some days when he's out on the sports drinking a beer. Like, f man, if I had not gone to UT and, and gone to play in a in a, in a um, you know just like a pro style offense, like it could have changed his life maybe. Like I'm you know you don't know, but like yeah. what, what what was that whole dynamic and like why did he just feel the need? to leave him in there when he should have, shouldn't have been playing. And I'm guessing you're going to say just because, you know, he was the most ready protections-wise, all that stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, like, knowledge-based because the quarterbacks behind him were Nathan Peterman, uh, Riley Ferguson, and Josh Dobbs. Yeah. Uh, in 2013, Riley and Dobbs were freshmen. So right. not ready. Like, right. in no way. Uh Nathan was a sophomore, I think, his second year. Uh, so he's only like a year behind us, uh, me and Worley. And uh, ended up starting versus Florida, and we all know how that went. right? Um, so it was very much like, this is who you got. Like, okay. this is the quarterback you have. I, I, Like you said, like, I think if we run a different offense, like Worley is a different person right now. Like like if we would have kept the Cheney offense we had before with Tyler Bray, like Worley would have fit perfect in that. Right. Shotgun, there's no spread, but we're, you know, might be going five wide sometimes and it's, you know.
1: Did he, did he not ever talk about – why did he never even transfer to maybe try to go somewhere that was a better fit for him?
0: Transferring was different back then, man. I, no, I know. He was a I know. starter. Like he started. So it wasn't I, like and, – and, and he started the season – Thirteen and fourteen. It wasn't like he wasn't the starter to go into the season. He got hurt in fourteen, so eventually Dobbs came in. Yeah,
1: I guess that makes I guess that makes sense as a competitor. You're like, all right, this year will be different. I'm the starter. I do you okay? So do you know if he was ever supposed to keep some of those, or were they just handoffs, or were they not read options, or what were they?
0: There's def there was definitely plays that were handed off, and there were plays that were read option. So. I think um, – and I think at that point, too, like it wasn't – because they knew Worley wasn't like a runner, if there were play calls called into him of like hand the ball off. Because on every read option, the running back should be able to run if the defensive end doesn't t- – like as long as the defensive end holds a little bit, the offensive line should be blocking everything up to where the running back can get yardage. Makes so sense. Yeah. in a quarterback's yeah. head, they're like, if that defensive end slows down just a little bit, this can be a five-yard run easy. Um, and I definitely do think there were calls in to say, like, run the ball. Like, give it to the running back. And I even asked Worley this before, and he was like, sometimes you're out there and you're like, who's the best runner of the football and it's this guy next to me, not me. And Worley knew that he was like, I'm gonna give the ball. Yeah, but, to- but but but
1: but that the, but that's not how the play's designed. I mean, you and I could be you and I could be running the read option right now. And like you're you're the better option running the ball, you're bigger, you're stronger. Hell, you're probably we're probably about the same speed nowadays. Like, who knows? But like I'm but if if the play is for me to keep it, I need to keep it. Like that's yeah. how that's because I'm And and listen, I get where Worley's coming from. That was just a fan frustration, man. I remember, like, wanting to pull my hair out. But it was just something I at least wanted to ask because I remember during that time. But but anyways. um, Yeah,
0: and I think Worley struggled with, like, confidence in his running ability because, like, Dobbs Dobbs knew he could run the ball. and He wasn't afraid to. So it was, like, every opportunity he got, he was pulling it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So – well, let me
1: let me let me ask you this: Are there any other before we get to the end of the the, the Butch air? Was there any other juicy stories or fights or any other things that happened that you were just like, what like what the hell is going on here?
0: Well, it I mean, also- I think I think the other juicy one was the AJ Johnson Dre Bowl scenario and how all that went down. Um, And you know, people would say that like. butch like alienated dre or you know punished him i
1: don't remember what was that are you talking about the rape case yeah Uh, okay okay yeah so
0: dre Bowles was the one who said something uh the girl apparently got in the car with dre and his then girlfriend uh and had and said that she was raped um Dre called his father, who's a policeman, back home, and he told him, like, hey, you should report this. So Dre reports it, you know, says everything. A.J. Johnson is our best player, our leader on defense, uh, and a leader of the team. And it it was – I mean, it was weird. It was awkward. It was like, how do we go about this? Um, Yeah, because I guess people
1: don't really – I mean – only people that really knew what I guess happened was AJ and the people and the girl and who's ever in the
0: room. So exactly. And on on most cases, you're going to take your buddy's side, uh, which a lot of the defensive players did and like really had an issue with Dre. Um, And I think, I think it was like for a week Dre wasn't there. And I think it was literally just because of like, this needs to calm down um, because some guys on their team are idiots. And i talked about some of them before, but some of them are idiots and they will just pop off because of this and not really put thought into it. So it was like, let things calm down. It's going to be okay. He came back to the team. Nobody said anything to him about it. Nobody gave him a hard time let him do what he did. He finished the season with us. It was completely fine. He was at the bowl game. It was just kind of like, okay, just, you know, nobody really talked to him. It'll all come out. And what eventually happens is way, way down the line, AJ Johnson gets another opportunity because it goes to court and the girl says, yeah, I didn't want to, but AJ had no idea that I didn't want to. I never told him I didn't want to. I just, didn't at the time, but I never told him that. And the case got dropped. She said that in court, that he had – there was no way of him knowing that I did not want to have sex. So, A.J. was in the clear. That was very much – But
1: you're saying saying besides it being awkward when Dre came back, you're saying it was awkward with A.J. still being on the team.
0: Well, A.J. wasn't there. Oh, that's
1: right. Okay, you're right, you're right. Yeah, AJ was not there.
0: So it was just awkward with AJ's, like, very close friends. Yeah. And there was very much, like, people People were, you know, trying to diminish Butch um, and say, you know, that he uh, was trying to get AJ out of it and that he alienated Dre and made it to where, like, rape culture is a very, like, it's okay Um, and I, I just don't think that's actually true. I think there was scenarios like this where it's, he said, she said, and he was the one who was right, but you know, that's six years down the road. So at the time it just looks really, really bad on the program. Um, and then Mac and what he did after he left, it just all added to it uh but i think it, i mean i really just thought it was like a few you know bad situations that happened like with aj and some bad eggs like with mac um and i i don't think it was butch jones letting this rape culture go on because that was definitely a storyline when it was when it was happening
1: okay um Ultimately, we got we. I mean, ultimately, like Butch, as as cliche and as corny and as lame as I thought and think he is, or other fans or other whoever, he did still put a good product of nine and four, nine and four. Now, granted, I think that he the 2016 year where it all fell apart. I feel like there's a lot of injuries. I feel like there was some other stuff going on. That's um, true. I mean, there was some other factors. Um, I think maybe what caught up to Butch was some of his recruiting, maybe, in certain aspects. Um,
0: and I think that pre- leans on what he, we talked about earlier of instead of believing in himself and knowing who he is as a head coach, he's listening to outside words where it's like sometimes five stars aren't actually five stars. Right. And I don't know if every head coach gets that, um, that sometimes they're just ranked that because of who they play and their size. But when you really break it down and really look into their work ethic, uh, their knowledge of the game, and stuff that they're going to need later, they can't just depend on their size anymore. um, That's where it kind of
1: falls. it's, it's It's about knowing what you want and who you are and what your program is going to be and not seeing that flash in the pan, flat, you know, flashy, glittery, you know, yeah. he was still to his roots and said, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to build my team around. Then I'm going to take a Kyler Ferguson compared to the five-star Reed Bacon, When if you really do your due diligence, like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, fake hype. And I felt like with Butch, there was always a lot of fake hype. It was always a bunch of blow and smoke and there wasn't a ton of substance with him on a lot of things. Um, But I mean, I'll say this and I tie, I, I kid you not. And I, and I've said this before, I've admitted to, to you, like I was so hard on Dobbs, like early on about some stuff. Uh, and I really went back and really looked at some of his stuff, and I was like, wow, dude, was an absolute baller in, in college, like an absolute stud. Like, he deserves all the flowers he gets. Yeah, but I kid you not, I, I don't think if Butch has Dobbs on that team, like, I think he's gone after, I think he goes seven, I think he goes five and seven, seven and six, and then you know, whatever. Because, and that's and, and listen, and that's not, I'm. It's not fair to say, oh, well, if, if uh, Urban Meyer doesn't have, you know, Tim Tebow or whatever. Like, these guys are, are – are, are that's their job is to bring these players in. But I just feel like – I guess the best way to put it, I feel like Dobbs covered up so many things mm-hmm. on the team. And I feel like him and a select – like, AK, man. Like, AK absolutely like – I mean, in that 2016 year, I felt like – I mean, Dobbs and Beast and Dobbs and AK just put their team, the, the team on their back, basically, just like yeah. they, they're, they're, they gotta go out there and score 50, 60 points just to beat Vandy or or whatever. But like you just see it when you he only had Worley and then that he doesn't do a good enough job recruiting somebody else after Dobbs is there, and we end up with like yeah, I guess Quentin Dorminy and I don't even know who else. It just it just all fell apart so hard. Garantano was, Tano was
0: like, after that.
1: Yeah, so it's just like Butch was so close. He he was he was at the mountaintop, and he just couldn't get over that hump to get us to an SEC championship. And and, and, and the thing about Butch, like when he fell off, it wasn't like this. It was just like he like he catapulted off the 450 feet Kareem. And I just feel like even if he did get us to an SEC championship, like one of those years, if he doesn't lose. The South Carolina, or he doesn't lose the Bandy, or whatever, and he gets us to the SEC championship. I don't think it was sustainable. I don't think he had built something in Knoxville that yeah. was sustainable. Um, and that—that's—that's that, that's just my opinion as a fan. I don't, and I want to end this now with you saying why you don't like, like when you think of Butch's time. Like, obviously, you're probably pumped that they beat Kentucky. I mean, beat uh, Florida and beat Georgia on those. But like, did
0: you like just how do you think about it? The whole tenure. Um, yeah, that's where I'm like, so on the fence, because like I said in the beginning, he brought in things that needed to happen, but his, his downfall, had happened very fast. And it was because he didn't have the right pieces there. Like he got rid of coaches and staff members that he shouldn't have. He brought in players that he shouldn't have. He listened to people that he shouldn't have. And it's just like it, it's just it's just not good. Like, like, why would you recruit a Quentin Dormandy after you just lost? Like you just had Justin Worley leave and realize he's not a good fit for your offense. Why in the hell would you recruit another pocket passer exactly like Justin Worley? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all.
1: Was it because he's a four starting from Texas and people thought it was cool? Like, I mean, exactly.
0: I hey, this looks good on a recruiting ranking. Um, And it, it uh, yeah. So I just think losing control of the team, I think, you know, whatever happened with Mac and how like that was on the fence of losing the team. Like I'm sure the Jalen Hurd leaving and him yelling at him and it, it, that, Helped to lose the team also, and like you
1: want to yell at Jalen.
0: Well, when Jalen Hurd was in the Georgia game at Georgia, we ended up winning on the hail mary. But like he went out of the game in the third quarter after catching a touchdown, but yeah, got yeah, I mean, hit and fumbled. Coach Jones yelled at him. And then he transferred, right? He didn't play the rest of the year.
1: I know. Why, what? What was there? I mean, obviously yelled at him, but I mean, we get yelled at all the time when we're playing. Like, was what was what was there? Like, was there other stuff said or?
0: I don't know if there was other stuff said. I think uh, Jalen had some outside forces in his ear. But, yeah, I, you know, I think it was just like after that point and then we started losing, it was like he's losing the team with it. Um, let, and- me,
1: let, me, let me ask you this. Do you feel like all the players just kind of started to see that he was just a – He just didn't have a lot of substance to him. There was a lot of like that fake rah-rah, like he can be influenced, like he doesn't maybe actually believe half this stuff or implement. I mean, is that?
0: I think, yeah, I think that's part of it too because, I mean, I realized that when I was there and he was there for two years after me. So it was like I knew that he was making up shit just to try and motivate us. That wasn't real. And, like, people aren't dumb. And like, you might be able to get away with it with someone you're around for maybe just two years or maybe just three. But if someone's there for four to five years with you, which he had five total years by the end of it, they're like, well, who the hell is this guy? Like, I can't trust a word he says. He's lying out of the side of his mouth all the time. So. I think it's just, I think it's that losing the team. I, I, think it's listening to outside forces um, not believing in what he, who he is as a head coach and like what he wants from the team. And all of that just came crashing, crashing down to the earth. Like, like you said, very quickly. Um, And I mean, there was even a time he contacted me and I think, I can't remember if this was 16 or 17 and had me come to a practice, wanted me to come to a practice and literally just like be there with the offensive line. I think it was 16 because he saw that there was no leaders on the offensive line and they were getting their butts whooped. And there wasn't like a someone holding them accountable for anything. Uh, I think this was 2017 because coach Mahoney wasn't there anymore um and it was just like the fact that you want me to come in and try and fix the offensive line like that's it's not going to happen i'm not going to well, be able to do just, that i don't play on this desperate. team anymore i don't watch anything like
1: yeah. you
0: need someone in this room to step up not not me um
1: yeah, and that I mean, just like, kind
0: of shows like how desperate he was at that moment
1: yeah and and that's that's a scary thing because you might have been removed for a year, maybe two. And like, this is obviously no offense to you, but like, you're not, you know, you, you weren't in the NFL and you weren't like making all pros and pro like, so it's like, it's not like you're going to come in and all these guys are going to maybe immediately listen to you. They might be like, Oh, like, I mean, some guys have a friendship with you and they'd be like, okay, I'll listen to him. Or some guys be like, you know, you get older. You know, I can think about it. Guy comes back. I'm like, bro, get out of here, old head. Like, you're gone. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I know better than you or, or whatever. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah, I just think, I, I, you know, it's not rocket science. Like, if, if people don't believe in him, uh, if his gimmicks aren't working anymore, if the recruiting is not where it needs to be, uh, which is, I guess, ultimately his fault, you know, I mean, it is his fault. But I, I just think uh, – I just think it was a balloon, and he was blowing all that all that hot air in that balloon, and we almost got that balloon so big that he could have tri- could have fallen himself into an SEC championship game. Yeah. But then it popped, and when it popped, we're all just it was just it's just air now, and it's just so you know I don't know. It, yeah. it, it was a fascinating time though.
0: Oh, I agree. Um, <clears throat> but that is the butcher. I hope you guys enjoyed that uh please let me know if you have any questions you want us to answer I'd be more than happy to answer that in the comments section if you're watching on um youtube please subscribe hit that notification bell hit that like button if you're um, listening follow rate and review um you want to follow us on social media at believe in tennessee on twitter and at Bacon 26 for Reed, at Kyler Kerbison for all social medias for me. Um, and we very much appreciate you guys. So, as always, go Vols.